This morning I just kept hearing uh, an old song and uh, I'm certainly not going to try and sing. We have singers in the building. And normally when we sing this song we're talking about when the Lord returns or maybe when you get to heaven. But it's, you know, soon, it's, I think it's Andre Crouch. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the King. But I knew as I was singing it, He wasn't talking about when we get to heaven. He wasn't talking about when the Lord returns, really. He's talking about here in these services and in your daily life we will see the king we will see the king soon and very soon maybe before this service is over recently within the last year uh, a minister was a real minister you know Did I say that? I didn't say that. Anyway, preaching the gospel with demonstration of the power. And in that service, drug addicts got saved and probably business people got saved. And But there was power demonstrated, you know, and uh, people got healed. And afterwards, another minister came, and I think he was a real minister too. But he says, he asked him, he says, why don't I have power like that? in my services and he said do you really want to know the answer he said yes I do he said the reason you don't have it is because you can live without it it went right to my heart too more and more I I can't live without it Alan this morning now I'm giving Alan credit this one time only <laughs> so good I, I don't normally get my phone out and make notes during a service I didn't want to miss this Alan said if you were sick and you came to Jesus now he's talking about when he was manifest, when he was physically on the earth if you were sick and you came to Jesus Would he send you away with the instruction to confess the word until you were healed? Now, is confession of the word important? I myself have received healing that way more than once, actually. But that's not God's best. Okay. He said, no, he would just give it to you. See, confessing the word is important. It is. But where in our services, and he means not just here, everywhere, where is the living Christ in us who demonstrates the Father and heals right in front of our eyes? That is the mission of the prayer center. Because that is exactly what Jesus intends, not only during the services, on your job, at the school, at Walmart, wherever you are, 
You are the temple of the living God. Christ in us is our very hope of glory. Turn to Matthew 15, just for a moment. Let's see him. Thank you so much. Thank you. Matthew 15. We're going to look at a Jesus meeting. Matthew 15, 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee. And he went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him. Now to give an idea of what this means when it says great multitudes, the same great multitudes right at the end of what we're going to read here, this is when he feeds the 4,000. And that's just the men. 4,000 men. So wives and children, would you say 8, eight to 12, maybe 8 to 10,000? A few more than's here today. <laughs> I want to get a picture. Now, how many sick? Because it says here, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb. It doesn't mean they're stupid. It means they can't speak. Maimed. It literally means they're missing an appendage of some kind. I've looked it up either by birth or by some kind of accident or something, they're missing something, an arm, a leg, an eye, something, ear. And many others, what all's included in that. And they cast them down at Jesus' feet. Now here's a Jesus meeting. I love these next four words. And he healed them them who he healed them all he healed them all now until we're walking in that we're still on our mission we're still on our quest we're still on assignment we're still part of why the Lord instructed Pastor Dave Roberson years ago to get a group, gather a group of people and take them far enough into God that there would be an outpouring of a supernatural revival in a religious city that will eventually cover the world. Jesus said, those that believe on me, those that believe on me, the works that I do, shall they do also. And even greater because I go to the Father. Now let's finish this one up here. He, he healed them. Verse 31. Insomuch that the multitude wondered. Now notice these three words. When they saw. So this isn't even a, well believe you receive today, go home. Worship God, confess it, and your healing will manifest later. Although I've had that kind of 
I've had that kind of feeling. Nothing, that's not a bad way to teach. But that's not really what we're after. No, it says, when they saw. That means it happened right in front of their eyes. See, in today, today's technology, with the media that's available, the whole world can see. The whole world will be able to see. So that they wondered when they saw. Happened right then. The dumb to speak. The maimed to be whole. Do you hear what that? Did you hear that? They watched the missing appendage grow out. While they watched. I want that on CBS, ABC, NBC, the Fox News Network, CNN, Sky News, uh, whatever's I want it everywhere. The whole world to watch. You talk about a Mount Carmel, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And this is exactly the gospel. This is not something weird. This is what Jesus says we'll have. I hope you've been doing your homework. John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Alexander Scorby is getting hoarse from speaking it to me so much. I've got it on a loop. He just, again and again and again. It's amazing. He can speak all those hours and never get hoarse. It's amazing. Just in case you're young and don't know who Alexander Scorby that's one version of the recorded Bible that I have. It's an app. You can download it. And I, I play it. I can play it on my phone. Of course, now they have a lot of them that talk. As if that's not enough. Now, just think you're in that service. You're in that service. and you say, By the way, how long you reckon that service was? Fifteen minutes of worship. Twenty minutes teaching. Five minutes prayer for the sick. We've got to get out of here, you know. Drive by, get you come by, drive by, get your blessing. Hans has found out, like I found out when I went, if you're not ready to minister four hours in Africa, they're not even sure you're saved. Why should we listen to you? You ain't got nothing. And they will worship two hours. And they got nothing. I've been over there, no squatter camps. I saw saw him put a shiny pebble in the offering because they wanted to give God something. They shined it up first. I think that meant more to God than a lot of $100 offerings. It's like a tip. Here, God, I'm good now. I saw him put a button, pretty button in the offering. Anyway, don't. See, after you've... I can't imagine you. You sit there and you watch as Jesus, the blind see, the lame walk. Watch appendages grow out. And many others, it says, no. How about devils cast out? I wonder how many bipolar people got set free that day. Paranoid type people. Schizophrenia. Devils of all kinds. Unclean devils. And then after that, you're going to get fed supernaturally from five loaves and two fishes. 
thousands of you, thousands of you say, well, surely it's going to run out before it gets to me. No, you had all you could eat and it went past you. They kept serving people behind you. And you said, didn't they start with five loaves and two fish? They wouldn't have the little boy's lunch. And then after it was all through, they still gathered up baskets upon baskets left over. That's a Jesus meeting. Closest Sue and I ever saw to that. And I still tremble at it because it was just it was just small compared to this, but at the Bible studies we used to have, we didn't have hardly anything. We we got thirty, forty people coming with we got five bucks, you know. So one time she went with five dollars, I forget what big lots or somewhere, I forget. And all we could afford she brought back you know, you can get a lot of Lipton tea for almost nothing, you know. Those bags. And what was the cr- uh, what was that box of cookies? Ginger snaps. That's all we had. We had ginger snaps and tea. We learned we learned right after that, don't ever serve tea if you have carpet, so <laughs> after that it was something clear, you know, seven up, sprite, something. But anyway. But what I was really going to get to later on, we had a little more money, and, and Sue would cook because she knew a lot of these people. They, maybe they were hungry, you know, and they were, really, some of them. So she would fix something that you could serve people, like stew or goulash or something like that. Boy, there was this, we, had so many, we had so many people come. And Sue fixed all that we had. I mean, that's it. You, you know, you, you can only water it down so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. And finally... You know, finally you just having to dip and not look. And, and the stew just kept coming. And you, can't, you, you don't dare look anymore in the pot. You just dip. <laughs> and it did not end, end until the last one got their bowl. I can't really talk about it yet. That was 30, over 30 years ago. But I don't thought I might go. Or close to 30, I guess. But see, that's nothing compared. It's wonderful, don't get me wrong. But compared to what he's promised us. You know, Jesus can't lie. He fully intends for us to do the same works. Fully intends for us to. Those that believe on me. The works that I do. Shall you do also. And greater than these shall you do. Because I go unto my Father. And I didn't understand that part for a long time. But if you, if you really do your homework and assimilate those chapters, later on he says, well, if I don't go to the Father, the Comforter will not come to you. And that's why it's better for us that he went to the Father. Because as long as he stayed on planet Earth, there's only one of him. And he's the only human vessel that's got God, the Holy Ghost, living on the inside of him. I mean God, the Holy Ghost, living on the inside of him. So now he's having, it, having me say it this way because it impacts my brain. He says, if I don't leave, I say, God, the Holy Ghost is God, is he not? Now here's the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Don't get me wrong, I know he's God. But he's operating as a man, okay, born again man, filled with the Holy Ghost. So he's having me say it this way. Now, if I don't leave, the God that's in me will never be in you. 
But if I leave, I will send him to you. It's the same God in us. Say it with me. I have the same God in me that Jesus of Nazareth had in him. I have the same Holy Ghost in me that Jesus of Nazareth had in him. There is deity in me. There is deity in me. If, you ever, if we ever get that, our days of sickness are over ourselves. Because the same God that will heal them will most certainly heal you. Paul writing about our bodies, comparing it with our wives. You know, we are the bride of Christ, the way that Sue is the wife of Gary. But he said, this is a great mystery. I'm really talking about Christ in the church. And it plainly says, we are his body, bone of his bone. Then he says, no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Well, who's he talking about? Christ does not hate his flesh. He has no body on planet earth, but us, we are his body. So it says, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he what? He nourishes and cherishes it. Well, if, I got a pretty good feeling if Christ the healer is allowed to nourish and cherish your body, your body's going to be healed. I only have two verses, and I was afraid I'd be like I am and not remember them, so I only have two. Don't, don't be too worried. Well, okay, I'm sorry, three. I have three verses. During my own meditation where Alexander Scorby is reading those chapters to me, and then I've also been reading them with my own eyes again over and over. I don't even know the number. Tim knows I started this many years ago, John 14, 15, 16, 17. Now I've added 13, okay? 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And I know our revival lives in there. I know it does. So this time, since last Sunday, I had another one of those split screen things come up where he's trying to teach me something. Two verses came up side by side. And on the left side was John fourteen ten, And on the right side was John fifteen seven. John fourteen ten. So pinch those two together if you don't if you can. It's hard to do with a phone. <laughs> John fourteen ten. John fifteen seven. They just came up side by side, and I, I know when that happens he's trying to show me something. John fourteen ten says Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you. I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. But you notice he went from words to works in that? Did you notice that? First he's talking about words, but he finishes up talking about works. Okay. So that's on the left side. On the right side, I saw John 15, 7. 
if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, do you notice in this one how it goes from words to works? You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. That's a work. What's going on here? So, being the good student that I am, I'm wondering, well, when he use, is it, does he use the same word for words each, each time? And which is it, rhema or logos? It's rhema, rhema both times. And as I'm trying to understand really what he's trying to get across to me, the other verse that came up, it's like a triangle, those two on the sides, and then they kind of come down to this one. It was John chapter 5 and verse 30. And I'm going to have to get it here so that I can read it out of the King James because I only have it printed in the Amplified. John 5 verse 30. This is what's going on in those verses. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Why? Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. I want to use a term, absolute Surrender. Jesus has got no agenda. He's not trying to build a church. He's not trying to fill seats. He's not trying to make a name for himself. He's not after anybody's money. He's not even after the glory of man. He has no agenda but that the Father's will be done. Father, live through me. Father, work through me. Father, I am the vessel. I am the vessel. Live through me, Father. That's why he could say to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he was completely surrendered to the Father. One way that he did that was John 5.30, where he says, As I hear, I judge. Listen to this out of the Amplified. Now, don't be looking at your Bible unless you've got an Amplified. (laughs) This is out of the Amplified. I am able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders even as I hear I judge I decide as I am bidden to decide we don't use the word bidden much today we'd say I decide as I'm told to decide as the voice comes to me So I give a decision. And my judgment is right. Just. And righteous. How do you know for sure Jesus? Because I do not seek or consult my own will. I don't seek or even consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself. My own aim or my own purpose. But only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. If that's not absolute surrender, I don't know what is. So what's he saying? I'm not in charge. 
He said, he said to Philip, or really to the 11 there, he says, the words that I'm saying to you right now, the words that I'm speaking, I'm not deciding what words to speak to you. I'm always listening to the Father. I'm always doing what He says. But because I do that, it's the Father in me. He does the works. Well, that's fairly easy to see in the life of Jesus. On the right hand of the equation, what I saw. Well, if you abide in me, disciples, prayer center, you watching, listening, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. See, this is why Jesus said back in John 14 again, right after he says that, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do. Right after that, he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. John 15, he says, without me, you can do nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. See, it requires absolute surrender on our part to Jesus. The same way he surrendered to the Father. But it's Christ in us and the Father in him. There's John 17. Doing the works. But it's absolute surrender. Now, (laughs) when I heard that about that minister saying to the other minister, why don't I have that kind of power? Why don't I have the power in my ministry like I see in yours? And he said... Because you can live without it. Holy Spirit, I've heard that a few months, uh, maybe two months ago, something like that. And it just keeps coming back to me in other areas. See, Brother Gary, I just can't hear God. My trouble is, my problem is, I just can't hear God. I can't hear His voice. Even though Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Just going, well, I can't hear his voice. And Jesus said, but my sheep hear my voice. But you're saying, I can't hear my voice. So that same thing comes back to me. Is why am I not hearing the voice of God? Because you can live without it. You can even have a ministry without it. And a lot of people do. A lot of people have a ministry without hearing the voice of Christ. Without following him. See, Alan... I think one of the reasons God kept Alan in the job he had, and I, I so admire Norval Hayes. Listen, Norval Hayes is a hero of mine. Norval Hayes, especially in the foundational early days, I don't know that I'd be alive without him and Kenneth Hagin, to be honest with you. I don't know if we'd have ever met Dave Roberson, because I think the enemy would have took me off the planet with cancer, because that, that happened before we ever met Dave. So I, when, anything I say... You don't, you don't want to say anything bad about Norval around me, okay? All right? But it's also true that Norval had a lot of guest speakers come through. And Alan was the one that would pick them up and take them at the airport. And so he, he's been around just lots and lots and lots of ministries. So I said it to Alan one time this time, this way, because I've been around enough to know. I said, you have seen the dirty underbelly of all of these ministries? And you're still saved? (laughs) 
But see, because of that, Alan, when I really listen for a lot of reasons, but I know that Alan speaks from a wealth of experience that I have not had. He has seen what works, and mostly he's seen more than that. He's seen what doesn't work. Am I, am I saying it right, Alan? I'm getting a nod, okay? I'm saying it okay. So when I say, Alan, are there a lot of ministries where they don't hear God? Would you say the vast majority? He's nodding his head, yes. And we're not saying they're bad. We're not saying they're evil. We're not saying they're trying to do wrong. We're not saying anything like that. But what happens when you can't hear the words, when you can't hear him, and you're a minister, or you're in ministry, what happens you have no choice. You substitute the work of man for the power of God. You, have no, you really have no choice. It's either that or quit and be a plumber. <laughs> Isn't that right? Well, and it's not that people don't get saved. See, I'm not trying to knock anybody. I think God, I'm going to go all the way back to my little Blackburn Baptist Chapel down in Shawnee. It's really in Bethany, Oklahoma, just south of Shawnee. You know, when you're a suburb of Shawnee, you're small. <laughs> Blackburn Baptist Chapel. Been there over 100 years, I think. My granddaddy got saved there. My daddy got saved there. So many people really got saved. Thank God they preach Christ and Him crucified there. They preach Christ. That same church will tell you tongues is of the devil. All the years going there. And not just there. We, we traveled, you know, we moved about every six months. So I've been in Baptist churches everywhere. And I'm not against the Baptists. But I am just, I am saying, I never saw a devil cast out. I never saw anybody supernaturally healed. I never, certainly never saw legs grow out in the blind sea and what we just read there a while ago in Matthew 15. But I haven't seen that in most charismatic churches either. I did see it through Michael Muccio. It's one of the things that grabbed us right at the beginning. Not too long after we got saved and spirit-filled, there was an occasion where Michael was going to go cast out a devil. We was all going, can we go with you? There's about six of us, I think, wanted to go. He said, well, on one condition. What's that? You're not allowed to help me. You, go, you come in, you sit down, you shut up. No matter what you see, no matter what, what, no matter what, you're not allowed to help me. Are you willing to do that? Okay. So we went, and we sat there, and we shut up. It was not exactly the movie Exorcist, but it was close. Hair on your neck. Just, I mean, stand up on end. We were in the presence of something evil. little lady wouldn't weigh 110 pounds, 120 pounds, soaking wet. Had super demonic power, running through the house, screaming. Ah, different voices coming out of this woman. As soon as we really saw what was going on, Michael didn't have to worry. None of us wanted to help. <laughs> Get that devil, Michael. You go, Michael. Get it. Get that devil. <laughs> You're doing a good job, Michael. <laughs> and it took a while. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to exaggerate, but it was more than 30 minutes. It's somewhere, I think, maybe an hour. Yeah. So that was a different, that same little woman, Sue's reminding me, the reason we were there, some other people tried to take her into a church and cast a devil out of her. 
And this was a, a building, a metal building church similar to this one, except it had metal doors on it, metal doors. They're trying to take this little 120-pound woman in there, two men trying to get her in there. She got a hold of the door, ripped the door off the church. They called me. One of them called me. Do you know anybody that can cast out devils? <laughs> I said, well, I think I do, actually. And that's, that's how Michael got involved. So, I mean, you know, a 120-pound lady ripping a metal door off a metal building. And it's laying on the ground. Michael got that devil out of her. I say Michael. The Lord Jesus through Michael. And it was a, a different human. She became a human again. Let me say it that way. She's looking at you with human eyes. Sweetest thing. And that poor woman had, if you hear her story, my Lord, she had been abused physically, sexually, every way, growing up. Everything you can think of had happened to her. And it was hard. Her problem was she couldn't forgive. So Michael, more than once, he got her free that time. Wasn't very long. Devils came back. You know why? She, she, She refused to forgive. She just couldn't bring herself to do it. I don't know if she ever really did. Now, why am I saying all that? Well, we got to see Christ in something real early on. This, we hadn't been saved in spirit very long when that happened. But when you're in something like that and you've seen the real power of God come, where that devil finally had to go, and we saw a human being again, you know it's real. You, you can't unsee that. I don't care what they say in the church. I could go back to those same churches as a, that told me in this little boy, there's no such thing as casting out devils, and I'll go liar, liar, pants on fire. I know you mean well, but you just don't know what you're talking about. Nobody can... Once you've seen... the See, it amazes me. We have 4,000 men, plus women, plus children. Where were they at the upper room? I don't get that. God will have to help me with that. I don't... Man, you better have big ushers keep me out of that room. I'm telling you right now, I'm getting in there. Now, Gary, are you saying you don't do any, you shouldn't do anything till you hear God? I'm not saying that yet. I'm saying what it sounds like is Jesus. I'm not saying he heard moment even by moment, but what do you think was going on during those all night prayer meetings with Jesus by himself out on the mountain? What do you think is going on there? Dad Hagen would talk about spending times like that before a convention or before services that he was going to do. And he says God sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, would just show him what was going to happen. When he got to the meeting, he just did what he'd already seen. And everything that he saw happened. I noticed one of those times where Jesus spent all night on the mountain in, in prayer with his Father. The very next day was the day he had to choose the twelve. How important was that decision? Well, how, how important was that decision? Did you pick the right twelve? And what was he doing the night before? Oh, we looking at my friend. Oh, we were out having pizza. And <laughs> well, it's good to have pizza. It's good. To, it's good to have fellowship. It is. But where he's calling us, yes, sir. God, I'm a cook. And where he's calling us, 
we like fellowship. We like ch- church's chicken, don't we? <laughs> but see, and we, we enjoy that, and it's fun. Which is more fun? That fellowship that we had? Or laying your hands on Homer Betancourt? Watching, watching those eyes come back where they see again. How about laying our hands on little Victoria, who now is about 20-something, I think. Born with a partial brain. I'm, so, I'm, like, I'm like Alan. I'm so proud that we have this box right up front. This is what we're about. We're not hiding our failures. So, What do you mean a failure? Here's Tommy Perez. I prayed. For, I have prayed for Victoria. So is Sue. So many people here have prayed. Sue and I. We flew to New York to pray for Tommy. Milked. How did Dave say it? We milked every cell in our body for faith. We. You don't go to New York like that, expecting it not to work. What would happen if Jesus still had his ministry going on planet earth himself and his own body in Jerusalem? What would happen? I might have to take a number. It might take me two years to get Tommy Perez in there. But if I got Tommy in there, let me ask you. Is he going to get healed? What about Victoria? Oh, that's impossible. She needs a brain. She's going to get her brain. See, we cannot lose the vision. I don't care how how discouraging it gets. I don't care how tired my flesh gets. I don't care how my emotions want to just escape and have fun and let's go on vacation. Let's do something. And that, it's not like we can't enjoy life. We, we We can enjoy life. But dear God, we're on assignment. Soon and very soon, if we'll keep doing what he told us, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. The thing of it is, when we get to see him, the whole world gets to see him. Manifested. And it's not, I think another thing I should have written down that Alan said, God, God loves people, he'll heal people. But it really, his passion is not heal people and then them go to hell. Along with that healing, that's really the dinner bell to come hear the gospel. You can be saved. You can be saved. That's, it's, it's signs and wonders really is the dinner bell. Come and see. Yes, sir. So I, the second time he's brought it up, so I better do it. I think last Sunday was the Sunday, I, I think the title we put on that, it was Cleaning Out the Temple. Back through the Old Testament part of it, First Kings, Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, a little bit of Ezra and Nehemiah, a little bit of Jeremiah, and I had I, I had not really realized how far Israel, and at this point Judah, had fallen. I did not realize that they had actually brought. I mean, I knew they worshipped idols and stuff. You know, I'd read, I'd read it enough to know that. I didn't know they brought them in the temple. They brought in a statue of, however you pronounce it, Baal. Baal, B-A-A-L. That's the same, de- you know, I hate to even use the word God. Idol, okay, we use idol. That's the same idol 
that the people were worshiping when Elijah had the showdown on Mount Carmel. You remember? 450 prophets of Baal. Same one. Now they'd had that showdown before, before this event that we're, you know. By the way, he's not going to let me teach on Malachi yet. I thought I was going to go right into it today. How many are glad I didn't teach 1 John until 1 John was ready? Yeah, so it had to be complete. Well, apparently Malachi is not ready. Still in the oven. But see, they'd already had this showdown with Elijah previous to Malachi, previous to this these events that we talked about last Sunday, cleaning out the temple. It was Josiah, really. We were talking about King Josiah. He was a good one. Boy, he cleaned house. But it was amazing to me that they had not... I mean, before this, Elijah had had the showdown on Mount Carmel and all the people, boy, when the fire fell, when they saw the fire fall, all of a sudden, oh, Jehovah, he is God, he is God. You know, and they killed the 450 prophets of Baal and so forth. But within a generation or two, not only are they worshiping Baal, they have brought an idol of Baal into the temple of God? The one that Solomon had built? Not only that, I found out. We'd, we went through this last Sunday. Uh, got children in the room. They had, I'm probably not pronounce, pronouncing it right, but Asherith poles. That goddess goes by different names. Astarte, other, other names. It, you know, if you research it out. But... I'm just going to say, because we have little kids here, it was uh, fertility gods. And the way the King James says, they removed the asterisk poles. Talking about fertility gods. I think you can read between the lines what's, what's going on there. They had those set up in the temple. The women would make these cloth coverings to put on the poles to worship a pagan goddess. A pagan goddess right in the temple of God. Solomon had built for one of his wives from another country, which God had forbidden them to marry these pagan wives. Not, it's not a racist thing at all. God's not, there's no racism in him. No. He said, if you marry these pagan women, they're going to turn your heart towards their pagan gods. And that's exactly what happened to Solomon. He sowed the seed for the destruction of the whole nation because he married all of these pagan women in direct violation of what God said do. And sure enough, they turned his heart. He built a temple to Molech. Molech is the one where you offer your children. Burn them alive. And he built that. History says it was built on the next hill over facing the temple. It's like, in your face, God, we're going to sacrifice our children. If God brought judgment on them for the sacrifice of their children, it's just the grace of mercy of God. He hadn't brought judgment on this land for sacrificing millions upon millions of them. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up, he brought it up twice to me. See, because why, why teach us ancient history about Israel? Because we've got to clean out the temple. And we, he's talking to each of us personally. Anything in us that we love, that we 
give our time to, that we give our money to, that we give our attention to, that we give our affection to. Well, let me ask you this. Let me put it this way. If Jesus was alive on planet Earth today, gosh, I don't want to do that, Lord. Can I do it some other way? Yeah, okay. I can do it this way. If Jesus owned a TV at all, <laughs> are there certain channels you reckon he would not subscribe to? Would it been, that's much nicer than how I was first going to do it. So I don't step on your channel. Yeah, there's channels he would not allow if he would watch it at all. He's showing me myself. I don't know about you since that message, but even, I mean, first John narrowed my walk. We'd already, our walk was fairly good before. And then first John narrowed it some more. And the Sermon on the Mount narrowed it some more. And now it's being narrowed even more. Because there just can't be anything in me. I don't want it. I said, God, is there still idols in there? I'll tell you one of the worst ones. I'm not looking at anybody. Trust me, more than one person in this church has this problem. And especially online. Talking about that asterisk, God of fertility thing. What do you think pornography is? Bringing it into the temple of God? Is that any different than what they did? Did you know they had... I didn't know this. So just rest- I didn't realize that Israel and really Judah had fallen so far that they actually had prostitutes in the temple of God. Get this, male and female. Oh, that's terrible. What would be the equivalent today? It's pornography. In the temple of God. It's got to be dealt with. You say, well, I can't. Well, you need, to, you need to believe the gospel. See, that's the Roman 7 guy that says, and, and there, there's a place where you come, there's a Roman 7 guy, where I, well, that's not really me doing it, because I believe in God's word, and I want to I want, I, I live right and holy, so it's really not me, it's sin in me. Well, that guy had to get born again. Because once you get born again, now it's Romans 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 6, having been made free from sin. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. I can't help it. Well, you need to believe the gospel. That's the gospel. The truth is you can too. The grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness... And worldly lusts. We can live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world. Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. See, that's a hard gospel. That's the only gospel. What do you mean a hard gospel? I'll tell you what's hard. This is what I don't want to hear on that day. I don't want to hear Jesus say, Depart from me, I never knew you. You that work iniquity. When he paid such a price to set Gary free. Now, he is loving. He loves you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got down those stood up. But you remember, they only let me see. So far, I've only got to preach one sentence out of Malachi. 
One sentence. I have loved you. And this is after everything that I've spoken about. Malachi is after the judgment, after the 70 years, after they've come back, after they've rebuilt the temple, after Nehemiah has helped rebuild the walls. Right in that area right there, already the people are starting to backslide again. Rather than bring their best lamb, right in chapter 1, you can read it. Rather than bring their best lamb that they're supposed to bring, they're bringing a blind one, one with a broken leg. And in one place it says, um, anyway, the, the, the actual Hebrew word means stolen. Boy, that's going to honor God. He says, offer your blind sheep to your, to your governor and see if he'll receive it. Right in that chapter, right in that first chapter, he says, I will receive no offering from you. And actually what he says, I wish I had a priest that would shut the door to the temple where not one person can bring an offering like that again. I will receive nothing from you. I want to preach more, but I can't. The sentence, (laughs) I have loved you. He still loved them. That's why Malachi is prophesying. He is still reaching out to his beloved people, even after all the rebellion, even after every... He's trying to save them. Still, I have loved you. I have loved you. And he gives them instruction on how they can repent. Now, the reason that he's bringing that up... How many know the first commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And the second commandment is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We've known that forever. But within the last month or two, I heard him say it this way. The reason that we're commanded to love him like that is because that's the way he loves us. That hit me with such force. God, speaking to Harry. If you can imagine, raise your hand, Harry. Speaking to Harry. Harry! (laughs) God's going, I love you, Harry. With all of my heart. God talking. All of my soul, all of my mind. All of my strength. I love you, Harry. I love you, Gary. He loves us. I have, when he says, I have loved you, I have loved you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. I have loved you. What can we do but return that love? All he wants is a people that loves him back, that loves him. Because if you love him, you're going to love your neighbor. It's just the... Yes, sir. Back to the split-screen vision. I saw it again. You remember when when Lazarus was attacked with sickness? And Martha and Mary sent messengers after Jesus and said, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. And they were trying to get Jesus to come back and uh, heal him, which if he, if he would have, no doubt Lazarus would have been healed. 
But see, he didn't come right back. And you think, why in the world not, you know? Jesus told him, he said, look, are there, aren't there 12 hours in a day? He's drawing a natural analogy, you know. When you're walking in the light in the daytime and you see something in your way, you can walk around it and not trip over it. That's basically what he's saying. He's going, I have a light that I'm walking by. It's not a light that you can see. But it's just as true as the light you can see. See, because what was going on there, the Jews were lying in wait around there to kill Jesus. The devil had made Lazarus six as a trap, trying to draw Jesus back there so he could kill him, so they could kill him. But see, Jesus is totally submitted to the Father by the Holy Spirit. He's receiving instruction. What is the light he's talking about? Holy Spirit's telling me not to go. See, well, this is Jesus, Son of God. No, this is Jesus of Nazareth, Son of Man. Born of God, anointed by the Holy Ghost, totally submitted to the Father. How does he hear the words of the Father? By the Holy Spirit. And maybe other. I don't know what kind of encounters he had in his worship time. I can't go there yet. But I do know this. He, would say, he told him, I'm walking by a light. Same way you walk by the light of day. I'm not guessing. Then he told him, okay, we can go now. Well, why? And he told him, Lazarus sleepeth, but we know Lazarus died. How did he know that? Holy Ghost told him. When Lazarus died, they all figured he's not coming. They dispersed. Safe to go back. Man, give us some leadership like that. Give us some leadership like that. These are the words. This is what he means. The words that I speak to you. I'm not originating those. I'm telling you what I'm hearing. I don't do anything without hearing. Whether he hears it at that moment or whether he heard it the night before or the week before, I don't know. But he got them in fellowship with the Father. See, and actually Jesus said to us about the Holy Spirit, he said, He will take of mine and show it unto you what he hears. He said the same thing about the Holy Spirit he said about himself. The Holy Spirit will not speak of his own accord. What he hears, that's what he speaks. Well, that's how the Holy Spirit brings us the mind of Christ. We pray, we hear. And we obey. But he also said, the Holy Spirit will put you in remembrance of everything I have said. Well, there's times when that happens. I've had him say, uh, you know, you got a beggar. What, do you, you know, somebody needing, they're begging for food. Some of them, you might be enabling if you give them anything. You know? I've, I've heard, I've, one, I'm just listening on the inside, what do you want me to do? And sometimes I've heard, no man gave unto him. Well, you walk on by. Other times I've heard, give to every man that asks of thee. See, you can't obey both of those at the same time. <laughs> you do know that, right? One time Jesus said, I'm sending you, don't take any money with you. Another time he said, I'm sending you, take money with you. You can't take it as a formula, you've got to hear from the living Christ. And that's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. Well, why am I not hearing him? You can live without it. Me too, to a large extent. I hear him better during a service like this because he loves you so much and the anointing is stronger and I hear him better. But at home, I have a hard time. Dad Hagen would say the same thing. He says, oh, what you see me operating by the gifts and the pulpit and everything, that's great. He says, when I go home, I got to hear God exactly the same way you got to hear God. I got to pray. I got to fast. I got to get quiet. I got to listen. Yes, sir. 
Okay, I'm going to finish up with a very... Uh, when you cannot improve on a message, you just steal it from your friend. I've already stolen some of Alan's, and I'm going to steal some from Pastor Bronk. And if you have something you can write on, I recommend you get it out. Pastor Bronk did a message. I think the title is called The Transition to Power. And he was talking about this very thing. How do we go from telling Jesus is a healer to letting Jesus heal? Basically, that's what we're talking about, the transition to power. And how do you do it through you? He gave uh, six steps here that I think it's, it's for the whole person or not just Florida. <laughs> it's for us. It's for anybody who's, that's linked arms with us. Where we are right now, talking to people that's been sitting under this message a long time, like all of us, okay? Number one, don't default to your strength. I'll tell you what that means. Number one, don't default, D-E-F-A-U-L-T, don't default to your strength. Okay? What he means by that, I want to use myself as an example. We know we have... We've talked about the four-legged table. We're supposed to serve off of God's table to the world. Around here, we talk about the four legs being prayer, worship, the Word, and fasting. You can add subcategories to all that, like the Word. You could put confession of the Word. You could put meditation of the Word. You could put a lot of things. But basically, it centers around those four things. Prayer, worship, the Word, and fasting. What's Gary's strength? What, what, do I, what do I default to? Let's say it another way. What's easy for Gary? What's easy? The Word and praying in tongues. That's my, that's my default. That's what's easy. Man, I can just pray in tongues, you know, and the Word, I, I get lost in it. You know, that's, but what's hard for me, personally, is worship. I don't know why. It's not as bad as it used to be now, by the way. And f f f what is that other word? f f f I'm teasing. But fasting, I don't like it. It doesn't come naturally to me. I will default anywhere except there. But what the Lord is saying right now, because, listen, we've got to have all four. You've got, we've, we don't want to pre- present an imbalanced table to the world. See, it's hard to serve on a table when you've got two regular legs and two short little legs. Everything keeps sliding off. <laughs> I know it's just an analogy, but I'm thinking that's pretty true. So what I need to do is, instead of defaulting to what's already easy, I need to focus on what's hard. And that's fasting for Gary and worship. There's people I know that worship is just the easiest thing in the world. I mean, they'd rather do that than anything else. Well, praise God for them. That's just not me. A lot of those people that I've met in my life don't know the word from me. Come here to sick them, you know. And so we need we need all four. Anyway, I can't. If I he, he took an hour to preach this, I'm going to give it to you in five minutes. Okay, I, but if you want to hear it, it's already at his website, and it's called the Transition to Power, and it was the Wednesday night message this week. Number two. So number one, don't default to your strength during this time. Number two, and this is based on Luke 11. You might write that down. Luke 11. Ask him. For visitations and times of his presence. We've taught on this extensively, where they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. 
And he gave them the Lord's Prayer, but then he talked about going into the very presence of God to receive the bread. So, also under that same heading, so let me just read it the way I have it. Ask him for visitations and times of his presence. Luke 11. And then ask for the bread from heaven. Ask for it, because he said to ask for it. Ask for the bread from heaven to deliver to the world. Ask him for it. He that asks, receives, thank you. He that seeks, finds. He that knocks, the door will be open. You get it from him or you don't get it. you got to go in. I used to think you could stand out on the porch and bread would come flying over the wall somehow. Nope. you got to get through that door and go in there and spend time with him if you're going to walk out with the bread. And the bread is really manifested by the Holy Spirit. Okay, enough on that. Number three. Make Jesus... And the Holy Spirit real in your life. Now this goes all the way back for me. When I heard that, it takes me all the way back to the face-to-face documents when he said, Gary, the number one most important thing in your life right now is to become aware that I am constantly with you. Treat me like I'm real. Walk and talk with me during the day as if you were walking and talking with Jesus himself. For I am with you. And I will bring you the mind of Christ. That means talk to him. And I have not done real well at that. That's not a strength of mine. Because when I try and do it, I I wish I'd never seen that movie, Harvey. Y'all remember Harvey? Was that Jimmy Stewart? And there was a rabbit named Harvey that was an invisible rabbit, but it was real to Jimmy Stewart. And every time I start trying to talk to the invisible Holy Spirit like he's real, I see myself like Harvey. <laughs> but you got to get past that because he is real. He is real. And he's with us and in us everywhere all the time. we got to treat him like he's real. And he, he takes it one step further. You know, he, God's been talking to us about godly hope. And envisioning and seeing. Bronk was just very transparent. He says in his worship times or his fellowship times in the mornings, especially with the Lord, he's usually in his, I think it's his living room. And Bronk has got a chair that he sits in, but right across from him is a couch. He, In his mind, he sees Jesus sitting on the couch. Well, why not? Godly hope. He said at first it seemed really strange. But he would just kind of, you know, okay. I worship you, Lord. I magnify you. I know that you're real. I know that you're with me. I know you're... Some would say, well, it's not Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. See one of them on the couch. I think he sees Jesus on the couch is the way he was saying it. He said it seemed really strange at first, but he's been doing it a while. I don't know how long. He said it's at the point now... That if he gets up in the morning, and it's time to go in there, and he sits in his chair, and he looks across at the couch, and somebody left a sweater there. Well, you're going to move the sweater, because that's where Jesus sits. (laughs) He said, if somebody was to come in the room and going to sit right there, I'd go, don't sit on him! (laughs) He said, isn't that cute? Mm -hmm. I think that's making Jesus real. I think something's going to come from that. See, that's godly hope, and he's been talking to us. What you see, 
You've got to see it before you can have it. Okay. And number five, don't force anything. Don't try and force anything to happen. He didn't really elaborate on that. Now, number six is one that we've already talked about. Realize the reality of God the Holy Spirit living in your physical body. Did I miss something? Did I miss four? I am so sorry. All right, let me start from the top. Number one, don't default to your strength. Number two, ask him for visitations and times of his presence. Luke 11, ask for the bread. That's all number two. Number three, make Jesus and the Holy Spirit real. Okay? That's Harvey. Number four, <laughs> use hope. That's where Bronx see, you know, use hope, godly hope. Use godly hope. Bronx, I just gave you an example of how Bronk is doing it. He's seeing Jesus there as he worships him. Okay? And fellowships with him. So that's number four. Number five, don't try and force anything. Okay? That's where you start prophesying weird stuff. And number six is realize the reality of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, living in your physical body. We have deity living inside of us. And the verse for that is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Let me just read it real quick. I didn't copy it down. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Which you ha- and you know, he, this is to 1 Corinthians. This is the baby church. This is the kindergarten church. And he's telling them, don't you realize kindergarten church? God, the Holy Ghost lives in you. You are the temple of the living God. And it even says your body. So you can say, well, he's talking collectively. Well, yeah, but he's also talking individually. Your body. Your physical body. Is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Which you have of God and you are not your own. Glory to God. If we get that revelation, not only will God heal through us, we're going to be healed ourselves. Healed ourselves. Amen. Did you get anything out of that? I did. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So I'm personally working on my temple. And we're at the place now, there's not really, it's not a matter of sin, you know, type things. It's uh, weights. What's taking your time? What do you enjoy more than His presence? I didn't say that out loud. I know I didn't say that. What do I enjoy more than His presence? When I could, I got a choice. I can spend an hour doing this. I can spend an hour with Him. What is it that I enjoy more? I could be idolish. <laughs> is that a word? Idolish. Anyway. Father, I thank you the service is over and I get to go. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you for your presence. Thank you for worship people that know what to do on cue, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's just let's do just worship him for a minute. Listen, these services are not going to stay like this. This is, this is a dinosaur in a way. This is going extinct.
It's going, this is, this, this what's happening right now is going to go, is going extinct. And I'm all about that. I'm, I'm all for that. Amen. Just whatever, whatever the Lord put on your heart. Oh, we love you, Lord. Love you, Jesus. Fear not, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I have loved you, and I love you still. But you have sought me for years asking for the highest walk, and I am doing my best to lift you up to that very place. So yield to me even these last things. As you're nearing the end of the wall of fire, nearing the end of the purging, coming into the manifesting, for it is true, soon and very soon, in every service, and even at your homes, and even at your business, you will see the King. You will see the King. Oh, hallelujah. I saw it recently. I hasn't said much. That's the most he said. I saw the end of the fire that we've been going through for a long time. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. We've been in this fire so long, it feels like you're going to have be in it forever. But I saw the end. We're coming to the end of it. I don't know what's beyond there. But let him finish the work. Let him finish the work.